Chapter Eleven of the Avalanche by Gertrude Horn Atherton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Eleven. It was half past eleven when Ryla and Spaulding, masked and wearing coloured silk dominoes, entered the great gates of the Thornton estate in San Mateo. The detective merely displaying something in his palm to the stern guardians that kept the county rebel at bay the mob stood off rather grumblingly for they would have liked to get closer to that gorgeous mass of light they could merely glimpse through the great oaks of the lower part of the estate and to the music so seductive in the distance they were not a rabble to excite pity by any means a few ragged tramps had joined the crowd possibly a few pickpockets from the city watching their opportunity to slip in behind one of the automobiles that brought the guests from the station or from the estates up and down the valley they were for the most part tradespeople from the little towns san mateo redwood city or the wives of the proletariat or the servants of the neighbouring estates but although they grumbled and envied they made no attempt to force their way in it was only the light-fingered gentry the police at the great iron gates were on the lookout for ruyler if his mind had been less harrowed by the looming and possibly dire climax of his own secret drama would have laughed aloud at this melodramatic entrance to the grounds of one of his most intimate friends he and spaulding had walked from the train but they were not detained as long as a gay party of young people from atherton who teased the police by refusing to present their cards or lift their masks ruyler knew them all but they finally sped past him without even a glance of contempt for mere foot passengers even though they looked like a couple of dodging conspirators he had met spaulding at the station in san francisco and private conversation on the crowded train had been impossible when they had walked a few yards along the wide avenue as brilliant as day with its thousands of coloured lights concealed in the astonished pines ruyler sat deliberately down upon a bench and motioned the detective to take the seat beside him it is time you gave me some sort of a hint he said after all it is my affair i know but as i said you might not approve my methods and if you balk all is up we've got the chance of our lives it's now or never i do not like the idea that you may be forcing me into a position where i may find myself doing something i shall be ashamed of for the rest of my life ruyler's tone was haughty he did not relish being led round by the nose and his nerves were jumping now now said spaulding soothingly as he lit a cigar when you hire a detective you hire him to do things you wouldn't do yourself and if you won't give him the little help he's got to have from you or quit what's the use of hiring him at all i know perfectly well that nothing but your own eyes would convince you of what it's up to me to prove to say nothing of the fact that i count on your entrance at the last minute to put an end to the whole bad business for it is a bad business believe me but not a word of that now you couldn't pry open my lips with a five-dollar havana well you say you had a talk with madame delano today surely you can tell me some of the things you have discovered a whole lot i've been waiting for the chance not that i got anything out of her she's one grand bluffer and no mistake i take my hat off to her 
when I told her that I could lay my hands on the proof that she was Marie Garnet, although Jim had married her in his home town under his own name, and that she'd gone home to France with the kid when it was five, taking the cue from her friend Mrs. Lawton, and sending word back she was dead. You were equally sure a few days ago that she was Mrs. Lawton. That was just my constructive imagination on the loose. It was a lovely theory, and I sort of hung on to it, but I had no real data to go on. Now I've got the evidence that Jim Garnet died two months before the fire burnt up pretty nearly all the records, and that his body was shipped back to Holbrook Centre to be buried in the family plot. You see, he was sick for some time out on Pacific Avenue, and his death was registered where the fire didn't go. But what put you on? asked Rayla impatiently. I should almost rather it had been anyone else. He seems to have been about as bad a lot as even this town ever turned out. He was all right, and his father before him, although they came from mighty fine folks back east. His father came out in 49 with the gold rush crowd, panned out a good pile, and then, liking the life, San Francisco was a gay little burg those days, opened one of the crack gambling houses down on the old plaza plate glass windows you could look through from the outside if you thought it best to stay out and see hundreds of men playing at tables where the gold pieces often slugs were piled as high as their noses and hundreds more walking up and down the aisles either waiting for a chance to sit or hoping to appease their hunger with the sight of so much gold they didn't try any funny business for every gambler had a six-shooter in his hip pocket and sometimes on the table beside him Sometimes men would walk out and shoot themselves on the sidewalk in front of the windows and not a soul inside would so much as look up Well Delano the first had a short life, but a merry one He couldn't keep away from the tables himself and the first thing he knew he was broke sold up He went back to the mines, but his luck had gone and his wife she had followed him out here persuaded him to go back home and live in the old house on a little income she had and he bored all the neighbors to death for a few years about early days in california until he dropped off her name was mary garnet that was what put me on the g in the middle of the name of the man madame delano married i telegraphed to holbrook center to find out what his middle name was and after that it was easy i also found out that he was born in california and i guessed that the old wild life was in his blood he stood Holbrook Center until he was sixteen, and then homed back and took up the trade he just naturally had inherited. I figure out that he didn't tell his wife the truth when he married her back there, not until he was on the train pretty close to SF, and then he told her because he couldn't help himself. She couldn't help herself either, and besides, she was in love with him. He was a handsome, distinguished-looking chap, and he kept right on being a fascinator as long as he lived I guess that's the reason she left him in the end She stood for the gambling joint and although she had a cool sarcastic way with her that kept the men who fell for her at a distance She was a good decoy and she looked a regular queen at the head of the green table She was chummy with Jim's intimates two of whom were DV Bimmer and Jean Bisbee But even Jean didn't dare take any liberties with her it was natural that a woman brought up as she had been should have kept her child out of it 
and i figure that she got disgusted with jim and came to the full sense of her duty to the poor kid about the same time but she didn't go until jim settled so much a month on her through old lawton who used to amuse himself at garnet's a good deal in those days and who was one of her best friends well she also got garnet to make a curious sort of a will leaving his money to james lawton to dispose of as agreed upon she had a thrifty business head had that french dame and she made him buy property when he was flush and put it in her name although she gave a written agreement never to sell out as long as he lived he agreed to let her go because he was dippy about another skirt at the time and besides she played on his family pride lineal descendant of the delanos garnets and so forth he'd never seen the kid after it was taken to the convent but i guess he liked the idea all right of its being brought up wearing the old name and getting rid of marie at the same time she was too canny to leave him a loophole for divorce even in california but i guess that didn't worry him much if the earthquake and fire hadn't come so soon after the will was probated there might have been a lot of speculation about it among men at least those old gossips in the club windows would soon have been putting two and two together but the calamity that burnt up all the club windows just swept it clean out of their heads i figure out that old lawton continued to pay madame delano the income she'd been having both from jim and her properties out of his own pocket until the city was rebuilt and he could settle the estate he had to borrow the money to rebuild the houses jim had put up on his wife's property and when things got to a certain pass he wrote madame d to come along and take over her property she'll be good and rich one of these days when all the mortgages are paid off and lawton paid back but it was wise for her to stay on the job lawton is dead straight but his partner is sowing wild oats in his old age good old s f style and i guess it ain't wise to tempt him too far get me it's atrocious oh not nearly so bad as it might be just think if it had been gabrielle or pauline marie or even mrs lawton that's the worst kind of bad blood for a woman to inherit marie garnet hung on like grim death to what the grand society you move in pretends to value most and the lord knows she'll never lose it now nor need there be any scandal to drive your family to suicide the thing to do is to hustle madame delano out of san francisco she'll go all right with you to look after her interests she don't fancy being recognized and blackmailed or i miss my guess you may have to pay bisbee something but vd's not that sort and i don't think anybody else is on if they've suspected they'll soon forget it when the old lady disappears from the palace hotel gee but she has a nerve she is an old cynic if she had any snobbery in her she'd be here tonight rubbing elbows with the women who never knew of her existence twenty years ago although their husbands did it has satisfied her ironic french soul to sit in the court of the palace hotel day after day and defy san francisco to recognize marie garnet in the obese madame delano whose daughter is one of the great ladies of the city to whose underworld she once belonged and from whose filthy profit she derives her income good god he sat forward and clutched his head but spaulding who had drawn out his watch tapped him on the shoulder come on he said time's getting short 
The stunt is to be pulled off just before supper. End of chapter 11